The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Well, I think we're a go. I want to thank our host, Linda, and our streamer, Herbie, and our guests. Thank you for attending, and I'm excited to show you some new things today. If there's an overlap in terms of what I've said before a little bit, it's because I noticed there's one or two new attendees, but I'm going to try and keep it relatively new. So today, I thought we would talk about um, what I call the Ad 9 Arpeggio. This is a form of filling space when you're holding a melody or a chord, but mainly a melody uh, and holding the same chord for maybe two or three beats. Uh, <clears throat> again, I don't think I've talked about this, but if I have, it doesn't hurt to reinforce. So let's say we're doing a tune like uh, Misty. We have two and three and four and one. Right, so that first chord is held for, and first melody, well, the first chord is held for three beats. One and two and three and four and one. Okay, so typically, don't necessarily want to hold a chord that long. We might want to do a fill. So one of the fills I use for ballads, slow songs, is what I call add nine arpeggio. And here are the scale degrees. Basically, it's one five eight, and then nine three five eight. Okay, so again, it's one five eight. Nine, three, five, eight. Okay, so I'm trying to emulate like a harp, right? Arpeggiation or a harp player pulling the strings toward them going up the scale. I don't typically go up and down. Sounds kind of pedantic and uh, a little bit too cliche, I think. So again, it's just upward in this one, five, eight. Nine, three, five, eight. And the fingering is pinky index thumb. And you cross over with the ring finger on the ninth, which is the same as the second. But I call it nine because it's nine letters up from the root. So it's one, five, eight, nine, three, five, eight, three, five, eight. And you cross over with the ring finger on the ninth. So it's just one crossover, uh, which makes it pretty smooth. One, five, eight, nine, three, five, eight. So if I would add this in the song Misty, I would go something like this. I could do it there as well. So basically, when the melody is held for two or three beats and the chord is, the corresponding chord is held for two or three beats. So some quote dead time. So again, fingering wise, it's pinky index thumb crossed with the ring finger, and then it's just four, three, two, one. So I have my students do that around the circle of fifths as a drill. So we might do that, uh, next would be F, one, five. And it's really important to say the scale degrees as you perform or, or you at least practice this. So it's one, five, eight, nine, three, five, eight. Here's a B flat, add nine arpeggio. One, five, eight, nine, three, five, eight. Here's an E flat, one, five, eight, nine, three, five, eight. A flat, one, five, eight, nine, three, five, eight. 
Okay, the fingering is exactly the same for all of them, which is nice. You might think it might change with the black notes or the, yeah, or the, or the flat keys, but it's always one pinky index thumb and then cross with the ring and that's it. Okay, so again, go around the circle. I think we're on A flat one, five, eight, nine, three, five, eight. Uh, D flat one, five, eight, nine, three, five, eight. All right, so um, I, heard, I used to hear a lot of piano players at Nordstrom's and they would arpeggiate everything. And to me, that's not proper, but there are certain songs I think it's completely uh, appropriate, okay? And that would be mostly ballads when you have a, a melody note held for two or three beats and the chord is held as well. Okay, so let me do Misty one more time. So I'm doing one. Now, in the right hand, we have to put the important notes of the chord because the left hand is playing one, five, eight. It's not playing much color. It's not playing the third and the seventh. So in the right hand, we have to have at least the third and the seventh. Okay, so in this case, my melody is the seventh and the third is the E, and that's sufficient because I have my, my root is starting my arpeggio. So it's melody, seventh and third. So here I've got the melody, which is the third and the seventh. So you have to have three and seven. Third and seventh are the most important notes of the chord. They are really what determines its function and it's a unique sound, okay? So obviously you have to have the melody, okay? But a lot of times that may be the third or seventh, so you, you're fine with just two notes in the right. Okay, the other thing we need to talk about is you absolutely have to get this like your name, one, five, eight, nine, three, five, eight, because you're gonna need to count that to know how many notes of that arpeggio you need to fill. Um, that space. So in this case, we're filling one and two and three, three whole beats basically. So if I play my arpeggio, I want to count it one and two and three and four. So I could stop basically after the end of three or even on four. This is uh, on beat four. One and two and three and four. And you basically want to stop your arpeggio as your right hand gets busy your right hand melody starts to enter and get busy. All right, so in this case, I'm gonna do uh, three and a half beats. One and two and three and four and one and two and three and four. Now here I'm gonna stop at beat three. One and two and three and a four and done. Okay, so you wanna stop basically, not basically, you wanna stop when the melody starts to come in. So you don't wanna conflict with that. But while it's being held, that's when you want to do a fill. So the add nine arpeggio, very, 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 very practical. And again, depending on how many beats you're trying to fill, you might play the whole drill, you might play three quarters of the drill, but basically it's dependent on how long of space you're trying to fill. So let's say I'm doing a tune like uh, the nearness of you. Okay, so that, that melody is being held for two beats. One and two and three and four and one and two and three and four and one and two and three. That's being held for two beats as well. So that means I could do a little bit of a fill, but maybe only four notes. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, let's see. One and two and three and 
So I stopped on beat three, and that note in the arpeggio works beautifully with the melody note coming in on beat three. So on that one, I'm going to go stop on beat three. One and two and three and four and one, two and three and four. Now here's another chord with the melody that's being held for two beats, so I can do one and two. basically stopping on beat three because the beat three note for the arpeggio works really nicely with the melody. One and two and three. And that's very consonant or pleasing sounding. So that's where I stopped that one. Got Phil. Uh, let's do another. This is that's all. Let's see. Second ending. So that's being held for three beats. So it's another great candidate for an add nine arpeggio. Again, it's uh, so this is the second ending. Here's my arpeggio. One and two and three and four. So I'm filling three beats there. One and two and three and and then the melody comes in on beat four. And then arpeggio is driving toward that melody, so it makes it sound logical. One and two and three. There's another one. One and two and three and four. Okay, so again, the melody notes is three spots in that song. Three, not two spots, where the melody is held for three beats, two or three beats. And that's when I would use the arpeggio. Now, another thing we need to consider is when we're doing the second ending for that song, let's see. Again, the melody is middle C, right? I have to have the third, otherwise I don't have the C major triad sound, right? So in this case, I'm playing the melody and I have to play the major third below it. I can't do the seven because it's right next to the melody, but absolutely have to do the third, otherwise I don't have a chord. I would just have two Cs, right? C is in Charlie. So make sure that you play uh, third and the seventh and the melody, but sometimes you will not be able to play the seventh because it's too close to the melody, but you absolutely have to minimally have the third. So, okay, so here's my, in the right hand, I'm playing the melody and the third of the chord below it. And I'm counting one and two and three and four and count this one and two and three and four and arpeggio ends up right 
right by the new the new melody. So that's perfect. One and two and three and four. Right. So I'm going to pause for a second here because I'm doing a lot of talking. Are there any questions on anything really, or on what I'm talking about? Hi. Okay. Cayenne <clears throat> has her hand up. Oh. Hi. Hi. Um, so one thing that um, I was wondering about since I've had some lessons, um, and this isn't a bad thing. This is a good thing. Um, you don't use the metronome as much. Sorry, say, I missed the, some of the beginning part. I I don't use the metronome much, or you don't? No, like it's it's nice not having to worry about um, timing. Mm. But why don't you use the metronome? I thank you for that question because once you're off, you're off on the metronome. So that's my uh, best answer, and that's what I stick with. But you know, if you're honest with yourself, you can. If you notice any of my, well, I haven't sent too many out to you, but most of the stuff. Uh, my podcast, I'm counting out loud as I'm playing it. So if you count like a robot, in other words, even, then it's going to be in time. Whereas if you, you know, are practicing the piece and you're, you're not with the metronome, if, once you're off with the metronome, you're off, right? So uh, my best answer to that would be, you know, as long as you're counting four and one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four. You know, you should be able to count anything, at, you know, as you're playing it, when you really understand it. Plus, how many pieces, you know, how many songs, pieces are out there that you maybe know the melody for? Hundreds? But how many thousands are out there you've never heard the melody for that you might want to play? So counting is essential. But to me, again, the metronome, once you're off, you're off. And that can be very, very frustrating. So try and count it as a robot, like, you're, like you are a metronome with your voice. And I always tell my students, count so loud I can't hear the melody. I'm teaching Louise, my 12-year-old or 11-year-old, and she's doing, you know, one and a two and a three and a four and a... There's no way she can put that, line that up correctly without counting, right? But no, I generally don't use a metronome for that reason. I can if it makes you feel better. No, no, <laughs> no, no. No. Yeah, it's, it's rather frustrating. I mean, if I know... Uh, no, I was going to say, if I know a piece really, really well, I'll use a metronome. I don't use it. I'm just, I have a, you know, I can count most everything at sight, including 16th notes. And I can feel the beat, but I can count it as well. And so after a while, if you count out loud, you just can feel where that rhythm is, where that beat is. It might take a few years or longer, but, <laughs> but no, I would say count out loud. You know, one and a two and a three and a four and a one. I was teaching 11-year-old Louise. She's blind yesterday. And she's like, I, I could never put those together. I said, yes, you can. Just count it slow. And so she's going one and a two and a three and a four and a Which is incredible. Which is an incredible feat because, number one, just to play this blues pentatonic, blind is hard enough. And then to put it together with this boogie-woogie left hand, you just, she, you know, you have to count it. And she did. And she's like, I did it. I'm like, yeah, I have full confidence in you. So yeah, counting out loud. Metronome is, um, I don't think it's absolutely necessary. Unless you're in the studio doing a record or something like that. <laughs> there are currently no other hands, sir. Okay. Sir, wow. Oh, you can call me Mark.
but uh, sir, I, 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 no one calls me sir. Thank you very much. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, so we got the arpeggio. That's one fill. I believe we talked about broken tense, but I'm going to talk for two minutes on broken tense because it never hurts to review. And there are one or two new people here, I think. So again, on Misty, if I wanted to do a little less busy left hand, one and two and three, right? A little less cliche. I could play the root of the chord, C in this case, and then I could play the fifth of the chord and the tenth. I call it five ten. So the, the drill is root, five ten, right? And again, most people can't reset simultaneously, and that's fine. So root five ten, and then around the circle, root five ten, root five ten, root five ten. Root five ten. Okay, that's a very um, practical fill as well. So here's Misty with uh, broken tense. It's called one and two and three, and four and one and two and three and four and one and two and. Three. Again, in the right, you want the third and the seventh because the root five ten. It's not giving you a lot of color. You're getting the root, the fifth and the third or the tenth, but you're not getting the seven or the nine or the eleven. So it's very rich sounding. It's a really beautiful bottom end, right? Really full. But your left hand is not giving you much color. So your right hand needs to do at least three and seven. Again, here's the three and the seven in the right. One and two and three. I would say it's a little less uh, cliche to do broken tense in the fills. Uh, and again, don't worry about being able to stretch for it because it's the root. And then you'll just stretch with your thumb and your middle finger for the five ten. And remember, the tenth is the same letter or note as the third, just up an octave. Root five ten. Of course, you can do that for minors as well. Root. It's a little dark down there, but root five ten. In this case, the tenth is the minor third. Okay, but it's very, very full. So if I did, um, let's see a good example of that. Hmm, the B flat. Okay, so let's say I'm doing nearness of you, and I want to do it with broken tense. Here's I would play it. This would be what's called close position, where I play the four notes in the chord and then left hand by itself. Okay, now we're gonna try open. Okay, that's pretty nice, B flat major seven here. Open, meaning the third's in the right hand, but the left hand's playing one, five, seven. But listen to the difference between this sound and broken tenth. Right? It's a huge difference because I'm playing the broken tenth. I've got that lower end of the piano, the root, and this really rich 510. So, for example, again, in the right hand, I've got my three and my seven and my melody. Right? That is, to me, exponentially fuller than this, although this is very nice. Mm 
beautiful. This is a nice way to accommodate playing tenths because most people can't reach a tenth simultaneously. I can reach a tenth simultaneously, but only weight to weight. I cannot do, for example, D major simultaneously, broken tenth or tenth because that D to the F sharp is beyond my reach. Okay, so this is a nice uh, shortcut, so to speak, or workaround. Okay, I may have played this for some of you, but I'm going to play um, Edelweiss with broken tenths. Listen to how full this sounds. Three, one, two. I'm just playing one note in the right hand, but it's very rich. Three, one, two, three. Broken tenths with inversions. Check, check this out. All right, so for let's say a beginner playing just a single note on the right, just the melody. Can't get any easier than that. And once you do your broken tenth drill, and you can get this nice full sound. Right. So I think it's a really, really good technique to master. And when I was studying jazz piano, I, I didn't really learn this with, I didn't learn this with my teacher. It's just in, in playing for, performing for 20, 30 years, I got kind of tired of doing broken chord tones. Uh, it's appropriate in certain songs, but for this one, uh, I like to use the broken tense. Okay. Let's see. We talked about scalar fills last time. Um, don't know if we need to go over that. Uh, let's talk about intervals. Um, this is a way of adding notes in the right hand underneath the melody. Okay. Well, again, I have a couple new people, so if I'm repeating myself, please bear with me. But let's say I'm doing a tune like um, Alfie. Here's my melody. All right, what's it all about? If I want to fill that out, I can do under thirds. Okay, and that's going to give me a twice the sound in the right hand instead of a single melody. I can do under thirds. Okay, and the way you get under thirds is whatever the melody note is. Count that letter as one and count down three letter names. So G, F, E. If my melody is a G girl, then the under third is going to be literally three letter names underneath the G, counting the G as one. So the under third here is an E. I'm in the key of C major, so it's all white notes. If I was in the key of E flat, the under third would be E flat. You'll hear it. There's always two choices for the under thirds. So, but it's it's based on naming the melody as one and then going down three letters. So if G girl is the melody, then the under third is some type of an E, right? Either E natural if I'm in uh, C major, 
or E flat if I'm in E flat. Okay, but count the melody as one, count down three letters, and that will give you the letter name of the under third. Okay, so another under or interval that you, by the way, thirds and sixths are the consonant or pleasing intervals. That was under six, this is under thirds. Right. So those are pleasing sounding, and those are the main choices for adding fullness underneath a melody. Okay, so here's Alfie with under thirds, and here it is with under six. Now, interestingly enough, if I do the under six with the, just my right hand, it's not going to be that smooth, but I could play the under sixth with my left hand. So in other words, one note melody in the right and the under six in the left. And listen to how smooth I can make that. Right? So depending upon the melody, I might do under thirds. This one happens to be all under one finger position. So I, I like the under thirds. But I could also do under six and kind of quote cheat, play that under six with the left hand. All right, so the, when I perform this, I'll play it single melody the first time and the second time i'll do under thirds right. and the third time i do under thirds and under six or i might do under six uh, skip a level but basically you could do under thirds with the under six that's very full. There's no way I could play that. Hold on. If I played it with my right hand only, I could not play that very legato. But when I do the under third in the right, and I do the under six in the left as a single note, it's very smooth and very full. Here I'm going to do under tenths. So let's talk about that. If you do under thirds, the under tenth is actually the same letter name as the under third, just down an octave. So I could do under thirds, but I like to do under tenths when I have a fast passage that's moving quite a distance. Again, it's very smooth because I'm just playing one note in each hand. But again, the under th the under third, the, the note name for the under third is the same for the under tenth, just displaced an octave low. Okay, a good example of that is in Misty. Here's my melody, very active melody. I could do under thirds. But that would be very difficult to play legato. But if I played the under 10th, much more legato. Right. So for me, if my melody is under one hand position, then I'm gonna probably do under thirds. But if my melody is jumping around a lot or moving upward or downward a great distance, then I'm gonna probably do under tense.
much smoother, much more control. And then if I did under six, see, I can't hardly do it. Very hard to do. All right, so just depends on the, the speed of, of the melody, the speed of the piece, and then how far, uh, what distance is the melody moving? Is it moving a great distance? Then I'm gonna do under tense. If it's under one hand position, I'll typically do the under thirds, okay? But that, if you look at anything, I was just learning a new tune, uh, memorizing a new tune. What's that in the right hand? Under thirds. Right? And then on the bridge it goes, uh, let me think, I just memorized this, hold on. Those are under six. Right. right. So if you analyze any music, you're going to see under thirds and under six because those, those intervals are consonant or pleasing. Let's talk about another set of intervals: uh, seconds and sevenths. Those are very dissonant, right? So we don't use those when we harmonize melodies. Right. And then the remaining intervals, fourths and fifths, are what I call um, Asian or Oriental. Those are fourths. Right. They're not really dissonant, and they're not really consonant. They're kind of hollow sounding, if you will. So occasionally I will use those uh, just because for flavor, for a different flavor, right? But in general, uh, you, I'm using thirds and six unders, under thirds and six. Any questions out there? Comments? Yes, you do. Oh, good. Dexter, oh. you may unmute and speak. Okay. Thank you, Linda. Uh, trying to make sure I understand the names uh, correctly, Matt. For instance, if you were on the key of C, you're under third, three, no uh, you know, three notes down would be a G, correct? No, you want to count if you're on a C note. Or, or, or are you counting the C as one of those three? Yeah, you count the C, the letter, the melody, okay, whatever, so it's C an it a, as one. Which would make the, the sixth an E then. Okay, that makes more sense because I'm going... It doesn't sound like he was playing that interval that he was saying. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I know that a D would be very dissonant if you, you know, played it, you know, with, you know, because it doesn't match into the chord pattern. Yeah. So that's you why see, I wanted to verify. Oh, when you say D, did you say D dog? Is that what you're saying? Correct. Okay. So if you your know, melody. Because if. If G, yeah, if, you know, G was, you know, three down, then it would have been, uh, it would have been, you know, different than, than uh, what I was thinking. So, yeah. So what, give me okay. an example. Give me an example. What's the melody note? 
Okay, say the melody note is a C. Okay, Charlie, then, okay. The third, then the third down would be that A and the uh, other would be an F, correct? Well, the third down would be some type of A. It could be A natural, but it also could be A flat. It right. depends on what key you're in. But yes, okay. So you count the melody yeah. note as well. Well, I, I was just... I understand. I'm just trying okay. to be thorough. Yeah. Yeah, so it's some type of A. And then for the under six, you said F. It would actually be E, right? One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, yeah. You're right. E. Yeah. yeah. Uh, F so is again, five. That's right. Perfect fifth. That's right. Yeah. It's middle of the night here. Oh, where is where is the middle of the night right now? Uh, probably close to around 2 a.m. No, I'm saying Korea. Where are you? I'm just curious. Oh, India. India. Wow. Very cool. Wow, yeah, it's 11 hours ahead or whatever, right? Or behind. I guess it's uh, behind. Hmm. Crazy. Wow, that's pretty cool. We're, we're actually ahead of you guys. Oh, that's the international right. date line is in the middle Pacific. That's right. I'm thinking going to, toward Hawaii is, you know, five hours behind us. But then you're actually, yeah. if, I go toward, if I go toward England, you're way ahead of us. Got it. Okay. Yeah, Great. five after two. Wow. We're on well, the map are compared to most countries. That's interesting because that's exactly 180 degrees from uh, oh, the longitude. Yeah, the longitude Montana, here in, in, in Chicago. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Well, you're fully excused for missing last week. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> I'm honored that you're actually listening at this time. Thank you. So that's cool. Uh, what's the weather going to be like tomorrow? <laughs> Just kidding. So, yeah, hopefully that answers your question. Hot. It's always hot. <laughs> yeah, what is the latitude of India? See, like, I, I'm in Kolkata area, so we're in, actually, we're in the tropics. Uh, so that's like you know, because 19 Kolkata is uh, actually 23 degrees, uh, 23.5 degrees is where the Tropic of Capricorn is. So okay. there, it... Uh, no, Tropic so, Cancer. Capricorn so where are you? Like, southern one. So but, I, know Hawaii, uh, I know Hawaii is 19 degrees uh, and Grand Cayman we're, is 19 about degrees. 19. Yeah, well, yeah, I can remember being at 19 to 22, depending on it. which area of the area around Kolkata is. You know, if you're in New Delhi or that, you know, then you're actually in temperate because that's more around 29. I see. Yeah, so when I went to a band and right out of college in Grand Cayman Island, I'll never forget, it was, you know, 19 degrees north. And so it was March or April of 83. And uh, the British, you know, it's a British protectorate. And the British DJ got on. He goes, now, I know a lot of you will be staying in tonight. Uh, it's going to get down to about 68 degrees. I'm like, thank God we'll be able to sleep. <laughs> we didn't have air conditioning. So I can relate a little bit to the, the tropics. <laughs> cool. All right. Hopefully I answered that question. Thank you for the question. Appreciate that. Yes. <laughs> Do. Now, do you play piano or saxophone, if I recall? I had one year of piano lessons before I switched to saxophone. I had nine years of saxophone lessons, private lessons. Uh, and like in high school, I played in the marching, the symphonic, the jazz band, and the pep band. In college, I played in uh, one of the jazz bands, a symphonic band. Uh, the pep band, the march band, etc. as well. And then mm -hmm. 
I, you know, just kept playing it. And like when I lived in New Delhi, I was the prelude music for the church and I would do about 250 mm. different uh, hymns throughout the year. And basically my, my music is, I take the piano music and I read it uh, enough to know the first note and the key that it's in. Right, right. And then the rest is my me- my memory. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. I can by the time it. I finished high school, I could transpose uh, into the E flat, uh, you know, for the saxophone, and that I could transpose that in my head as I played from piano music. Sweet. You Sweet. just have another hand. Nora? You can unmute. Yeah, hi. It's Noah. Hi, Noah. Yeah, hi. Um, I am a very beginner of piano, and I also have my issues. I have three fingers on my right hand. Mm. Plus, I have five on my left hand, and a very, very small hand. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if there's a technique that I could learn sure. to, to do all this. Even though I have three fingers on my right hand and sure. very small, tiny hands. Got mm-hmm. it. So is is your thank you for that question. Um, <laughs> so you your left hand is a uh, is left hand fully functional, so to speak. No, it's fully functional except for my hand size is very small. But oh, my okay. right hand, in my right hand, is only three fingers, two fingers. Got, it. Got it. Yeah, I have several one-handed students, uh, and one of my newest ones is left-hand only. Uh, she mm-hmm. has MS. Anyway, so I'm teaching her chords. Um, yeah, I'd be happy to you know give you free 30-minute, no obligation, kind of show you more about details. But basically, she's learning her chords, and then songs that use those chords. For example, Lean on Me. All right, this is all left-hand only. Uh-huh. Or Louis Louis. But if you have three, you know, three fingers in the right hand, that's fine. I mean, you could play just using the uh, same finger. All right, and then here's the chords. What really helps is if you can use your right foot or your left foot, ideally right foot for the pedal, because that allows you to play hold and while you move. Oops. Hold on, I'm not used to playing with one finger. One second, here we go. But let me, I, so which fingers is it? Index and, and middle or? Um, uh, for my right hand, I have uh, somewhat like a pinky and middle and the thumb. Okay, pinky, middle and thumb, got it. So I'll use those oh. notes here with these pinky. fingers. Yeah, so here's, uh, let's see if I can do it. Yeah, I would love love to show you how to how to you know use what you have. Basically, yeah. um, let me think. One of the okay, so this is an example. I wrote an arrangement for my left hand only student. Uh, this is do re mi. This is left hand only. So this is so here comes a chord in the left hand. Here we go. 
listen to this under six. Right, there's so many ways, and I love the I love the challenge because she always wanted to play piano. She's like, you know what? Let me give this a try. So depending upon that was all left hand though. So basically, when you understand the chords, you understand this is a C chord. And depending upon your dexterity, you could play the F chord as two notes, or you could play it as three. D major. It's easier to play two notes, but you could play three. So my challenge is how do I find songs that you recognize and or like, and then lend themselves really well to, um, you know, using left hand only or a little bit of right. So let me see if I can play one more. I wrote this one for her as well. Um, let me think. Give me a second. Yeah, this is. Those are thirds, right? Right. So it's all about adapting to, you know, your level of playing. And, um, but it's all a lot of theory based, right? If you understand C chord, then you know you can play. Here is under six. I've been playing a while, so that's relatively easy for me. But the, once you understand under thirds or under six, right? It's like, okay, let's see how, how big a sound we can get. So I would say go to my website. It's uh, one-handed, one, what's it called? One-handed piano lessons. And you can see uh, several of my students playing one-handed. Feel free to call me or text me or what have you. Um, and I'm happy to, you know, talk more detail with you. No obligation. You know, I just, I really just love bringing music to people who would not quote ordinarily think they could play. So you'd be a good candidate, I think, for that, Nora. <laughs> Thanks well, thank for the question. You. Yeah, thank you. Thank mm you. -hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Linda, do you have any questions? Oh, wait, you can't speak. Just forgot. I forget the rules all the time. But ever since you gave me the winning lotto numbers, I feel an obligation to at least say thank you. Any other questions out there? Yeah, so with Christmas coming up, my left-hand-only student, I'm like, okay, what's a really good Christmas song, right, that would lend itself to one hand only? Uh, let's see. is all left in so it could be two notes could be three notes right, depending upon if you want to do the right hand with it you could do three note chord in the left hand and then if you've got yeah like the middle finger you can really get a big sound i mean especially if you have the use of your right foot or left foot for the pedal that's the key because that allows you to sound legato without having to, um, you know, use all these fingers. For example, in Yesterday by the Beatles, if I've got the use of all five fingers, I can do this pretty smooth. But let me do it with just one, one finger in the right with the pedal. It's going to sound pretty smooth.
without the pedal, I can't do this smooth. Hmm? I'm going to use the middle, thumb in the middle. Hmm. Well, actually, does that work? Interesting. So I'm using thumb and my middle finger. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, just go to one-handed piano lessons. You'll see uh, I have a student in Canada. She has use of just her right hand, but she has the use of one or two fingers in the left. So she's playing the chords in her right with the single bass note in the left. You would be doing the inverse. You'd be playing the chords with your left and then the melody, which is always one note, in the right. Then it would be, okay, what fingers do we want to use? Thumb, middle, thumb, middle, thumb, middle. Yeah, you can make it smooth. So yeah, I'll look forward to maybe hearing from you. No obligation. Okay, so we talked about intervals. Just to review very quickly. Seconds and sevenths are dissonant. Thirds and sixths are consonant or pleasing. Six. And then fourths and fifths are like hollow sounding, if you will. Let's play this with the right hand. All right. Maybe um, Indian sounding or American Indian or the country of India. Or maybe Asian, shall we say? Okay, so fourths and fifths. Fourths I use a fair, fair amount in, in, in uh, rock and roll. All right, but if I did fifths, sounds more uh, Indian, if you will, or Asian. I don't know what's politically correct, but that's how I always describe it. Right? So, thirds and sixths is what you want to use when you're playing one-handed, two-handed, and whatever. You want fuller sound. Oh, let's see. What else can we discuss that's perhaps new? Um, okay, yeah, let's discuss. This is a special voicing. It's called quartal 6-9. Quartal meaning uh, all the notes are a fourth apart. So let's say I'm playing a C melody, the C above middle C. If I go down in perfect fourths, well, a fourth below C would be G. A fourth below G would be D. And another fourth is A. And a fourth down from A is E. And then the root would be C. Okay, so this is called called a quartal voicing because the interval from each note to the next note is a perfect fourth except for the bottom two notes okay it's called a quartal six nine it's a very jazzy sound so if i did well for example when can you use that voicing well anytime you have a major chord if you want a more modern sound you can try a quartal six nine for example in misty most people play c major seven right here but, and that's nothing wrong with that. Maybe C major nine, very pretty. But if you want a little bit different twist on the major sound, you could do a quartal six nine. It would sound like this. Right. That's a much more modern sound than, right? Okay, so every time I have a major chord, I can try quartal six nine, one, three, six, nine, five, eight. 
Now, ordinarily that would sound great, but I'm just too low on the piano. Let's see how it would sound up here. Yeah. So anytime I have a major chord, major seven, major nine, major triad, major six, add nine, major triad, they said that. <laughs> anytime I have a, a, a major chord, I can try doing uh, a quartal six nine. And the quartal six nine, scale degree wise, from bottom to top, is one three six nine five eight. Okay, so I have my students say the scale degrees as they form the chord. One, three, six, nine, five, eight. So they memorize the scale degrees. Here's F quartal six nine. One, three, six, nine, five, eight. So it's a really great chord, especially for like the end of a song. Like most songs will end with a major six or maybe major, major triad. So here's the end of Misty. That's major triad, pretty boring. There's a major six. Now listen to the difference when I do a quartal six nine. Right? Much jazzier, um, non-cliche, if you will, interesting sound. The sixth chord is nice but the quartal six nine is much better. So I'm looking for opportunities to use the quartal six nine. And basically that's candidates are any major chord. Now, if you get too low on the piano, it's not going to sound good. So that's going to be a little bit of a, um, it's going to, you know, prohibit you from doing it if the melody is kind of low on the piano, but as you get higher, right? oh, that's nice. This is Michelle by the Beatles. This is a major seven. There's the six, totally appropriate, totally fine, but I could do chordal six, nine. Right? A little bit different. I could do it here. I'm not quite. It works with majors, not really with the minors. So I would put that in your toolbox. Quartal six nines. One, three, six, nine, five, eight. And uh, that's going to sound very jazzy. It's kind of a, like a 60s sound, like a Herbie Hancock, McCoy Tyner. Um, quartal six, nine. And you could play that without the root as well. For example, in, in um, yeah. Then it would be purely perfect force. Right, so you know, let's say I'm doing um, that's all. That's a major chord. There's the chordal six nine, more traditional major seven. Here we could use the chordal six nine. My uh, diner pressure. I'm too low to do the chordal here. Right? But basically, it worked earlier. Right? So you can do it rootless, meaning three, six, nine, five, eight. Or you can put the root in there, like the drill, one, three, six, nine, five, eight. 
we got about five minutes here, so I want to make sure if there's any questions or any topics you want me to go over very quickly, please don't hesitate to raise your hand. <coughs> Excuse me. Right now, I have no hands. No hands. Okay. Um, okay, I'm sorry. Tyanne did raise her hand. Hi, Tyanne. Go ahead, Tyanne. Hello. Hello. Um, I just wanted to say that I can't wait to play. Sorry, can you say that again? You broke up. Oh, sorry. My voiceover was talking. Um, I cannot wait until I can play that. Wow. <laughs> that particular chord, you mean, or just in general? Just, just in general. Thank you. Yeah. And it's very, thank you for saying that. It's so like, you know, we had a lesson yesterday or whenever, and uh, you went through all your four note chords. So then it's, that's the hardest part because when we go to ninth chords, it's really just going to be adding one more note. So the foundation is those four note chords, but yeah, the, um, the quarto is a very, very cool sounding, right? We talked about polychords. Remember polychords from a couple of presentations back? We'll get into those. Um, do you remember those, Tyan? Um, Not really. Okay. No. Got it. Yeah, so that's, in a nutshell, you'll play your left-hand chord, which you learned the other day, like C7, C down 7. And then you'll play another chord in the right hand, D major triad, which you've known, you know, for years probably. And then together, that's going to give us that great jazz sound. So um, that's one of the next steps. But there's there's... There's polychords and then there's open position. And depending on the student, uh, you know, I may have them do an open position or I may have them do the polychords, depending on how difficult. They're both viable, but the polychord is actually going to give you a jazzier sound quicker. So, yeah, um, great stuff ahead. But keep practicing those chords. Get them like your name, right? <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I think there's no other questions. I have to get ready for my gig. I'm playing tonight, two hours, and I gotta learn. I gotta. I got this new song now. You probably all know it. I love Steely Dan. Under thirds. And under six. Right. So look for those in music. You're gonna, see. or don't look for them. Just add them yourself into into whatever you're playing and it'll sound really full and very professional. All right, I wanna thank our host, Linda, and thank our streaker, excuse me, streamer, Kirby. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing this is just audio, <laughs> just kidding. And uh, Tyann, Dexter, Nora, and anyone else who's, who's listening. So thank you very much. Oh, and I do wanna say, if you go to my main website, pianoweb.com, pianoweb.com, I do have um, a lot of uh, resources under the drop-down menu title Learning Resources. Now, I was told by a visually impaired student of mine that um, voiceover or whatever the programs are for blind people don't work really well with drop-down, so I'm going to make it a little more accessible. But anyway, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, re learning resources under that drop-down menu Learning Resources, uh, videos, text, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so thank you again to everyone and um, 
Thank you for the uh, the winning lotto numbers, Linda. I know you don't want to share it, but I think it's only fair. But I know you can't talk. So <laughs> anyway, thank you, everyone, for your time and um, have fun experimenting with these concepts.